morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or on the internet. Whatever you are listening through, you are listening to The Breakfast Show. And you're joined by myself, Lawson, and across from me, my amazing co-host, none other than Blair Lemke. Blair. Good morning. Have Has your wife had a baby yet? No, no, we're still wait, waiting. Could be any this, moment. This is incredible. I think, and it's like every second that goes past is just a second closer, right? That's right. It's, it's funny how that works. Yeah. And, and be, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like looming. It's like so present. Absolutely. I, oh, I love that so much. Are you excited? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a little bit nervous, but yeah, sure, excited sure. is the overwhelming emotion. Can I ask you a question? How do you go... With, were you in the room when your uh, wife gave birth to your first child? I was. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was, wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is I that? Have so much respect for mothers. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I tell you what, I am grateful for this morning. I was just showing you guys a video that I made. Uh, well, coming up this Sunday is Mother's Day. It is. And yes. And yes. obviously, you know, I'm going to be spending that day with my mum. But the day before Mother's Day, I'm going to be in church and I was asked to make a little video where I go around my university and ask people, hey, how do you feel about your mum? You know, what do you love about your mum? What's a memory you have with your mum? And I was blessed with a whole range of colourful answers, most of them being pretty funny as well. So I've cobbled that together into into a video, which I'll probably put on my social media at some point. I can't wait. I I saw the first little bit of it, but I want to see the rest. Dude, it's, (laughs) it's so good. There's one particular scene in there where I'm talking to one of my lecturers and then he starts... <laughs> it's so good. I ask him, like, what's your best theological reason for why mothers are so important? And he, and he, and he starts giving an answer, but then he's like, well, if you had listened in class, you wouldn't know this. <laughs> like, yes. He just starts having a go at me. Roasted Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. But, um, yeah, shout out mums. I got to talk to my mum on the phone yesterday as well. Just connecting with my mum. Shout out. We love her so much. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we are going to have some positively different news. We absolutely are, and this is a, a, an amazing headline that mm-hmm. I loved reading when I was preparing this morning. Uh, it says, "What well, the, the, this is coming out of America, God bless America, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S., Adult cigarette smoking rate has hit a new all-time low. Mm-hmm. How good is that? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. The data has just been released, and it's quite amazing, really. The um, the U.S. cigarette smoking rate has dropped, um, and it you know this it, this is the data from 2022, of course. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, it's but it's just been released. So in the mid 1960s, roughly around the 1960s, around 42 percent of United States adults were smokers. It was much more positive. Uh, well, mm. sorry, I should say much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And um, the rate of smokers in the US has gradually been dropping for decades due to mm. you know a variety of factors, cigarette taxes, tobacco product price hikes, smoking bans, changes in kind of socially accepted or mm. um, you know rules around where you can smoke. And also I would I would believe as well from just positive mm. um, developments in science and also uh, I guess information that is getting out to the public on the dangers of smoking and how it can shorten your lifespan and, and create uh, difficulties in your life, health challenges and all of these sorts of things. Uh, mm. And so yeah, this the, the data from 2022 has just been released. And it's the lowest 
the lowest smoking rates in adults uh, that have ever been catalogued in the U.S. prior to this time. Um, it's down about 11% uh, from prior years. And, yeah, I think this is an mm. absolutely fantastic development. Um, I'm not sure how the, the stats are in Australia. Um, we're, we're actually going to be talking about it in a little bit. Are we? In our, in our next segment, yeah, as we talk about the Australian budget. Because okay. it's, it's, again, in the same way, there's there's lots of effects that come from how it is that a country legislates, particularly around the the monetary aspect of smoking. Well, it's a huge it's a huge monetary budget line, right? Because I mean, you've got you've got also the flow on effects of smoking, which you know, cancer, lung cancer, and you know, all of the medical costs that can come. Uh, with with some of those, you know, the risk of higher blood pressure, narrowing arteries, all of these sorts of things that can be a, a, a direct side product mm. of smoking. And all of that isn't free. It comes with a cost, right? Um, and in Australia, yeah, we've got our absolutely. healthcare system that deals with a lot of that uh, through Medicare and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I just thought this was just such a positive headline to read about. And I just say kudos to the American people. I'm a fan of Americans because I'm an American citizen, uh, and I think I think they're doing. I'm Australian citizen too, they say. So, you know. Oh, really? Dual citizen. I would. I wouldn't have known. Thank you. Honestly, I wouldn't have known because uh, of how often you talk about being an American citizen. Of course, you've lived here pretty much your whole life, and although you claim being American, uh, <laughs> you you uh, you seem to to. To have never lived there. Well, yeah. Look, let's 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 stop <laughs> minoring on miners. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. No, but that's fantastic news. It is, isn't it? It's yeah. Fantastic news. Uh, and I love that again from from that perspective of uh, from the monetary aspect. Like mm. it's really good <laughs> that that smoking decreases because it's terrible for you and it takes a makes a huge tax. It's better a, on families, a, better yeah. on ev- everything. So absolutely. Hey, another breaking news, positive news headline is. Uh, also coming out of the U.S., is uh, 35,000 people heard the gospel during Franklin Graham's God Loves You Tidewater Tour um, wow. this year. And this is this is just really exciting stuff. Uh, of course, Franklin Graham is the son of Billy Graham uh, and is the director, I believe, of the Billy Graham Evangelism uh, Institute or has taken over the, the ministry of his father, Billy Graham. And Billy Graham's the world-renowned evangelist, went around preaching mm. the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world, including here in Australia, and had very large audiences here in Australia. Uh, Franklin Graham has also been out on tour here in Australia with uh, sharing the gospel and mm. and conducting evangelistic campaigns. And he's just been on a tour all through the U.S. Um, and uh, or the, just... This most recent tour, the Tidewater tour, um, finished uh, on Sunday in North Carolina and had a six-day tour, which drew wow. an attendance of more than six thousand. Uh, sorry, three thousand five hundred people. And um, one of the cool things about this tour is he uh, he, he talked about um, going to visiting some of the smaller towns. You know, they often do the big cities, mm. but he's he was like, look, well, we got a burden for some of the smaller towns too, who need to hear the gospel. The gospel needs to go to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Yes, mm. the big cities, but also uh, the smaller places as well. And so, yeah, look, it was it's a, a just a really positive news coming out of the U.S. Um, awesome to see Franklin Graham taking the gospel around the world and doing his part to to fulfill the Great Commission. Mm, absolutely. Of course, it's all every believer's call to fulfill the Great Commission. That's right. right. It's not just for evangelists, mm-hmm. not just for pastors, not just Bible workers, everyone.
Mm, absolutely. And I, I think it's it's powerful while there are those people who are fantastic speakers and God has given them that gift. I think of a Franklin Graham, I think of a Doug Batchelor, you know, John Bradshaw, these people who are able to communicate the gospel in an incredibly effective way. But again, the Bible says, and this gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness. That's right. It's our witness. It's our personal actions and lives, which so strongly preaches the gospel. Franklin Graham or, you know, Doug Batchelor or John Bradshaw or David Ashrick, I don't think their message would have any power if they were living a, you know, debaucherous, ungodly oh, life. But because, because they put God first in everything that they do, uh, they have the ability to represent him and speak for him. And I, I want to, you know, give you guys that, uh, that charge as well. Absolutely. If you put God first, people will be drawn to him. Absolutely. Now, in one more breaking news, positive news story uh, this week, I want to share the story of... Now, look, I'm not a fan of dancing. Just I'll just put that out there. I'm not a fan of dancing. <laughs> he doesn't um, dance. He doesn't. <laughs> not, not a fan of dancing. But this story was caught my attention. Some middle-aged dads do dances to embarrass their kids, but they, they formed this dancing group. And their kids, uh, they tried to embarrass their kids with this dancing group, but it actually went viral. Um, and they have like 300,000 followers on TikTok. Mm-hmm. They call themselves the Outer Puff Daddies. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. We have producer Megantha. She's absolutely losing. Oh, it. man. This, <laughs> it's crazy. And they, it, the first performance was actually a surprise performance at their children's annual dance show with the, the you know, trying to, um, Embarrass them, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the dancers, by the way, uh, is, uh, or one of the fo- followers of this group, I should say, is Hugh Jackman. Oh, <laughs> followers on on TikTok. Uh, but uh, but anyway, they they've, they've done this group. They've tried to embarrass their kids, but it's actually fully backfired, and they've got three hundred thousand followers. Their kids love it, mm-hmm. and they're going viral. So I just love dads that try to embarrass their kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess you're looking forward to it. Absolutely, I the guess, dad you- jokes. You know, all of the fun stuff. Your daughter isn't at that stage yet where she's quite, you know, ready to... I'm preparing now. But it's I'm like as ready. soon as she feels self-conscious, you're... you're I'm there. You're, you're I'm here to- for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. And as I said, we're going to talk about the federal budget. I'm interested. So it has just come out. This has literally been deliberated over over the last couple of days. And the budget has come out. And from all angles, and I looked at a number of different news sites, what people are reporting, because we know that different news sites have different slants. And from every news site that I've seen so far, again, whether it's the News Corp or Peter Costello or, or Murdoch Media or you know the ABC or Independent, Everyone seems to have a really good view of this budget, which is really interesting uh, because, well, from the outset, uh, the budget is ultimately the, you know, what was the statement that was released with the budget is that we're trying to help Australians under the pump. We can see that the cost of living is rising. We can see that inflation is increasing too, and we want to help Australians. So along with that, uh, there has been many boosts to different sectors, which the average Australian like yourself, Blair, or like me would appreciate. For example, a $5 billion boost in Medicare expenditure, which is like, as someone who's about to have a baby, um, Blair, you know, which 
generally happens in hospitals, I guess it's like, oh, sweet, that's awesome, you know, that that's gonna think, think, you know, more and more things are going to be covered. Where does this money come from? So, are this, they pulling this off the money tree? Because this is what comes through my heart. I hear these figures, billions yeah, of dollars. Exactly. Who's paying for this? Absolutely, and it's it's the big question. As Everyone's happy when they get given money, but. But where's it come from? Especially living in a context in which uh, we... And we've talked to Justin Lawman about this a number of times. The amount of money that is being printed and the amount of inflation that is contributing to the fact that, oh, yeah, look, we have all this new money that we have to spend on a bunch of things, uh, but it's just kicking the can of inflation and ultimately economic collapse down the road. But... What the budget has targeted to enable it to make expenditures in other areas is specifically the gas industry. So one of the big losers from this budget has been the gas industry because they are going to be more regulated and taxed. And so if you take more money from the gas industry, you can give more money to the Australian people. Now, simultaneously, someone reading that could think, from from a business perspective and for like the future of Australia, it's like, okay, so if we take money from the gas industry, uh, then the gas industry will be less profitable and then it will be able to create less jobs and then the economy of Australia uh, will will you know be more so, and more affected. It will ultimately suffer. But uh, this this could potentially be true, but we're seeing the tax, uh, the gas industry be more regulated and taxed during a time in which the gas industry we're attempting as Australia to rely on the gas industry less. So it's, it's an interesting position that we're in. The other losers from this budget is basically anything to do with being from another country. Gotcha. Uh, whether you're an international student, a new migrant, or just traveling uh, in Australia, like as an Australian, uh, they've put lots of, you know, just different regulations onto, especially people coming in. So, you know, your ability to get PR migrant status, um, and even international students, they've seen that, oh, we're spending a lot of money on our universities as Australia does. And a lot of people are migrating to Australia under the guise that they're here to get an education, which like most international students are, uh, either paying for their, you know, paying paying for their education here, or they'll receive a scholarship or whatever it may be. But they're seeing that, yeah, most students who come to Australia aren't coming for education, but rather to live here, which honestly I don't blame them because Australia is the best. And I have like scores of friends. I, I, I was at the Newcastle Uni Church. I have friends at all the gateway churches down in Melbourne, which are all acting in uni ministry. S- literally scores and scores of people that I know who came to Australia to receive an education and stayed. <laughs> and, so, and we have producer Magantha pointing to herself. Wait, was that your parents? Yeah, her parents uh, can testify to the fact that people come here to get an education, but they just want to stay because Australia is so good. Now they're, they're restricting your ability to be able to do that. I personally love living in a country as multicultural as Australia, and I would love for it to continue to be multicultural, but at the same time, are they, are they restricting people from studying and then staying or just adding extra money to higher costs associated with that? Or how? Yeah. So if you are on a student visa, they're limiting your hours to work. Now there was already a limit of hours to work on student visas, which was actually lifted during COVID. Mm. They're putting that restriction back on student visas, essentially keeping students poorer. (laughs) And, and then like international students, but again, this is to combat um, people just needlessly migrating over here. But I think at the same time, so my sister is a teacher and she is studying te- 
teaching at the moment, but she is already working at a school as a teacher. And the reason for this is because teaching, there are, there are more teachers leaving than there are teachers graduating. Yeah. And so in those kinds of situations of teaching early childcare and whatnot, they are just like, handing out visas. Uh, and the reason is because we, we need them. Uh, if there's no teachers, then there are no, if there's no teachers, then there's no education. That's essentially the, the, the debacle that we're in. But then if we're restricting people from being able to get visa access, it's, it's an interesting situation. We find ourselves here in Australia, but there's a lot, there is a lot of industries that are finding themselves in the same position, particularly one of my really good friends, he's a panel beater and it, the demand for panel beating at the moment is so high. Like he's, he, he, he picked an industry where he's like, Oh yeah, panel beating. I can make good money from that. It's good trade. He will never be out of work till the day he dies. And he is making bank because panel beating is a needed industry because people, everyone drives cars. The amount of people driving cars is actually increasing. Uh, yet less and less people are going into panel beating. So he's, he's just, he is, he is winning, but simultaneously he's like, we are just under the pump. You know, there is just it is it is a an industry right now that is incredibly stressed. Another point that the budget made one of the areas in which uh, one of the groups that are losing is the vaping industry, which oh. can we all say praise God to that? Yeah, that's not a problem. Um, recreational uh, vaping is on the way down now. Vaping the vape usage that could be used medicinally, which I don't really know how that works. I'm not an expert in that field, uh, but that will be regulated by prescription and whatnot. But disposable vapes are going to be banned, like completely banned. And the industry tax, just as smoking is taxed and is another loser of this new budget because the, but the tax on smoking is going to continue to increase throughout this budget as well. Now the winners of this budget have been, as I said, um, you know, regular, everyday, average people, but there has been significant increases to Centrelink, you know, payments and different payments and whatnot for, for single parents, wow. for job seekers, for, for whatever it may be. Now there is a perspective. I can see your face, Blair. There is a perspective that, oh, that's a good thing. They're supporting people as cost of living is rising. But if you're taking money out of the gas industry, which is one of the engines of the Australian economy, economy, and you're giving it to people who don't work, then and, and again we're trying yeah, to look the welfare system there's that's a big debate there i'd be interested huge... what our listeners think you know should Absolutely. we be putting more money into welfare or less but you know i just think wow there's there's we've got a lot of money in welfare already yeah. there's a number of industries as i just said that is having an employment crisis because there are not enough people to be able to do that role yet simultaneously we are very thoroughly supporting people who aren't working. Now, you know, for single parents, people in those positions, it's like, hey, if they're raising children and working as well, and and even just like raising children full time as a single parent, it's a, it's a hard, it's a tough place to be in. I totally see it. But it's like, hey, just for people who aren't working and don't have any prospects and aren't moving forward, you know, is is just throwing money at the issue the right idea rather than you know, putting it more into education opportunities to become a useful part of the workforce here in Australia. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. To The Breakfast Show and we have none other than our weekly mental health superstar joining us this morning right now. This is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, are you there with us? 
I am. I hope you can hear me all right. Oh, we can hear you fantastic. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a beautiful day, so God blesses us. Ah, amazing. Now, Jennifer, you know, what are you what have you been up to over the last week? We we always ask you, you know, what is the deal with mental health, but we never really ask you how you are. How how's your mental health? How are you going, Jennifer? Well, I'm actually going quite well. I've just had two weeks off and this is my first week Ooh. back at work. So it's a bit stressful, but you know, when you've had that time out as people know, to get back to work is a bit of a challenge, but mm. I'm back at the swing of things and um, part of my work is what I'm doing here today. Which oh, is, uh, amazing. I love our interviews. I enjoy it, and I'm hoping the listeners get something from it. Mm. Amen. Hey, I, we are really hoping that we get something from it too. So now in the area of mental health, what have we got to talk about today? Well, we've been working on the brain, and God mm. has given us this amazing brain. It's still an unknown frontier in this world of science. They're still discovering things with more technology. Um, and I don't believe they'll ever understand fully what the brain does. Only God knows that, and he knows every part of us. So mm. we've been talking about the frontal lobe of the brain and the left-right brain and getting brain balance. So we're going to do a little bit more on that. But the other factor with the brain, that um, left brain is to do with your intelligence, your, what we call the intelligent quotient. Um, and I don't know if you've ever had an IQ test. They used to do them in schools and sometimes they do them for job, uh, if you go for a job. So it's helping you measure how intelligent you are and the capacity to do math, to do concrete things, think things through. Mm. Um, well, it's really what we call a very left-brain thing of intellect. It's to do with the intellect. But that's not all that we are made up from. We're also made up from an emotional side. Of course, we've talked about the emotional brain. But when you're born, you're born with a capacity for the IQ to um, to have a set, well, it's not totally set, but a quotient. Like people are born with the capacity to have a certain IQ. Mm. And I know that um, when we use our IQ, we can develop it. We can also stunt it if we're nutrient deprived, highly stressed, traumatized. It affects the growth of the IQ, mm. our IQ. But um, it's still an amazing part of the brain. And unfortunately, a lot of the time we're being measured by how intelligent we are, particularly in schools. And yet that certainly doesn't make everything. It's not. It's something that is, as I said, programmed in, whereas the emotional side, and we can call it the EQ or the emotional quotient, which has more to do with the right brain, is about our emotional intelligence. And mm. that is something we don't inherit. We have to learn it. So our, when we're born, we have an emotional brain um, that is functioning and a survival brain, but that IQ hasn't yet kicked in, the intelligent quotient or that part of the brain hasn't yet started, and that's about mm. two years of age that kicks in. So until then, we are absorbing everything emotionally. Mm. Our brain it in in emotions. Children, usually pre-2, 18 months, don't have a memory as such, but they're certainly remembering the emotions, which we then action. So sometimes you think, why do I feel that way? What's wrong with me? And it can be to do with all that emotional things that we have programmed from such a very young age. So 
developing the EQ is important. Um, there are little assessments online if people want to check it out, but it's really being able to manage your emotions, to be able to have that self-control and regulate your emotions. So I don't know how good are you at that, do you think? Awesome. Oh, regulating my emotions. We've got some shakes of the head from inside the studio, <laughs> oh, producer me. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing. I think that definitely I grew up a pretty emotional kid and I've kind of peed it out over time. But so I don't know. I, I, I get sad because of things or upset or like you, you, emotion is just part of the game. I think there, oh, there is a, uh, a, a particular, um, yeah, you, the the thought is, oh, well, how do I deal with those emotions? But I think my question that comes from what you're saying is that is there a responsibility then on the parents to curate uh, their child's emotions while they're that young and, you know, while they're in their care? Is there some level of responsibility or something that they can do to enable their children to be more uh, emotionally intelligent or to have a higher emotional quotient? Well, the initial input, of course, is usually the mother. And I know some children are given up for adoption or whatever, um, which causes a lot of emotional turmoil, obviously. But the primary caregiver, which is usually mum, is the one who helps the baby regulate emotions. And this is where mothers are wired to be in tune with the child when it cries, when it moves. Um, for example, a mother at night will be sleeping and next thing she's awake because she knows a baby's crying and she'll get up and comfort the child. So it's doing that sort of thing. If you ignore a child's discomfort or cries, even if it's attention-seeking, that child is quite traumatised. Mm. So we need to, because mum is the model, the primary caregiver is the model for that baby to regulate emotions. So and most mothers seem to know that my baby's upset or it's, it's just wanting attention or it's hungry. So they learn to respond to the cry and that helps to soothe and calm the child. So we actually start to learn emotional regulation by our primary caregiver or parent giving us that balance or helping us if we're distressed. So, And this is why children who don't get that up, end up with high trauma and it really mm. does them. Uh, so by about the age of two, when the thinking brain develops, they need to be able to regulate emotions to a degree that they feel, I guess, secure, emotionally secure and attached to, to, to mum and to the family. Mm. If that happens, then that child's personality will grow with balance. If mm. it doesn't happen at about the age of two, if the child is not securely attached and can't regulate emotions, then they either go into emotional meltdown a lot of the time or they go to control. And this is where the personality starts to um, get skewed and the child might get anxious, overly anxious every time they feel insecure. So this is where that early childhood is crucial in this emotional regulation. Mm. Absolutely. So I'm going to relate to that. But I think the good news is that at any time, if a child hasn't had that input and struggles to regulate emotions, they can learn, the brain can change, as we talked about neuroplasticity, um, and they can learn to regulate emotions by bonding with another person. It might be a friend, it might be another family member, um, it might even be a professional person that they connect with 
who then helps them to do that. And that's some of the work I do is to help people train their brain to regulate emotions instead of their emotions uh, controlling them. Mm. So, so it, it, it is good news in that it can be changed, um, but it's not like, the, well, the IQ we can modify, but it's not the same because we have total control over our emotions or we're meant to. Mm. And that's a challenge for a lot of people, as you well know. Mm, absolutely. I've got a question, Jennifer. I, I'm just listening to you talk here and I'm thinking, you know, um, a lot of the time there's the stereotype out there that the you know guys aren't as good at regulating or working with their emotions as, as the women are. Um, yes. Women are more in tune with their emotions and more, you know, kind of connected mm-hmm. to them. Um, is that... Does that um, stereotype, I mean, anecdotally, it certainly plays out in my life with my family and, and things like that, but is that something that is also recognised in the medical field as well? Well, I know it's what I take into account psychologists do. I don't know about general medical, but it is that gender difference mm. and the way the brains are wired, the male brain, left-right brain is wired with a main wiring, um, it's like, a strong vine that connects left right brain. So, and that the male brain is can have a more feminine or more masculine side, but generally it's a problem solving brain. So, it's more practical. It looks at things. So, when there's a problem, they want to solve it. Whereas women have multiple connections left, right, left, right, and are much more emotionally connected. And maybe because being a parent, you have to have that emotional sensitivity as a mother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can play out many scenarios in my mind where my wife has, you know, come to me with a with a, an issue or a problem throughout the day, sharing with her all her heart, and I come in with a solution and, and it just really misses the point. She wants to be heard. She wants to be understood. She wants to talk about the, the you know, the emotions of the experience, and I've just come in with a solution and just fully <laughs> missed it. Yeah. Well, what you do, um, when, when I'm working with, uh, with men and women like in, in this problem, whether it be in relationship or individually, is getting the woman to say, look, I just want you to listen to me. I just need to talk. Mm. That would be helpful. Yeah. And that, um, or, or look, I'll tell you what's going on and can you please help me solve it? So you can actually, that's communication is so important in that relationship. Um, because, Men get very overwhelmed by female emotions often because they tend to pour it out. A lot of women, this is why they have girlfriends and go off and, you know, and if they don't have that, they get a very um, emotionally, uh, what can I say, clogged in a way because if you don't have, well, for both men and women, but women need to express those feelings and just talking about it can be enough to release it for them. They feel better. Whereas for a man, if he's listening to the woman do that, it's, can, he can actually feel worse at the end of it because he doesn't know how to fix it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But um, males do. They, there is a difference in the range of emotions. Females have a broader range of emotions than males. And I believe, well, probably even today, our society works more and it's okay for men to be more angry, aggressive, get out there and um, have a voice. Um, so. It, it seems to be that, um, and the, I know when I was growing up, it was the thing of big boys don't cry, mm. you know, and I've seen that. And the child is just devastated. They're very young and dad's sort of telling them not to cry. Um, and it's okay to go and beat your friends up at school if they annoy you. 
And I'm not saying all parents do that, but this has been part of the problem yeah, all along. Yeah. So uh, they're the sorts of things that people have to deal with. But, um, I mean, women often uh, can express anger, suppress anger. Saying if you suppress any of those emotions, they build up and they become very internally self-destructive. Mm. So it's good to resolve emotional content as you go, and that's again part of what I do with clients: help them to do that. Mm. Absolutely. So you're helping your clients, enabling them to be more in tune with how they're feeling, give them more information. So what what is like the net benefit of that? Like it's like okay. It's like, okay, I get in tune with my emotions and it seems like a lot of people put weight on this. But ultimately, it's like, what what can we do better if we're enabling us ourselves to be more in tune with our emotions? Well, it dep- well first of all, it's being aware of them. And I'll ask a client, well, how were you feeling this morning? Oh, I don't know. I get, you know, I have no idea. And so... I do go through a range of emotions. So what sort of emotions do you experience? Some have minimal, some don't know. But your what you think drives your emotions. So mm. if they're telling you what they think, I've got a pretty good idea of what their emotion would be. Because if I, if I thought like some of my clients do, I'd feel really anxious, depressed, angry. So I can then reflect that and say, well, Listening to what you're telling me, you must be feeling really anxious. And they go, oh, yes, I am. They identify it. Mm. So then we can work on, okay, well, I want you to recognize that emotion and I give them some skills and breathing techniques and that to be able to calm it down. So the brain is rewiring and learning not to work with that anxiety but to actually put in a, a way of dealing with it and calming it down. Mm. So. Um, and then you do, you know, look, if they've got anger, that's a hard one because emotions can be very volatile. They can just react and it uh, becomes a problem because they can't control it. Mm. So that's, um, it, and it's spilling it off, getting men to get out there. And I've, I've done that before with a client who was, an, um, you know, was aggressive with his anger. And so he went and got a, and I don't recommend everyone do this, but for him, he went and got a punching bag and put it in his shed and, he was feeling that way. He spilled off the energy. It mm. didn't resolve it all, but it just released the energy instead of it sitting internally. Mm. He said one morning he was doing that and his neighbor knocked on the, the door and he uh, asked him if he would stop doing it because his little boy was trying to sleep. Mm. And he said, normally I would have punched their lights out, but I didn't. So he realized the benefit of spilling off that anger energy versus um, sitting with it. Oh, for sure. Wow, that is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing, Jennifer. We're going to continue. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.